Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Ryan, uh, summer is moving on. We've uh, had the All-Star game. Uh, yeah, the, just this week. Last yes, yesterday, America, the American League uh, won, so they won three to two. So that was yeah. a good win by the American League. I think the National League was favored. So okay, there you go. Well, so we're in the second half of the baseball season. That's good. And then the U.S. Open just finished up. We had uh, Cameron Smith made an amazing comeback on the back nine. Yeah, he, what was he? The British Open. He was seven under, right? Didn't he yeah. finish seven under on Sunday? Like, yeah, he. I think so. And he had five birdies in a row. I mean, he just made an amazing, you know, charge there at the end and kind of, kind of stole the show from uh, Roy McIlroy well, and the others that were chasing him. So that was very interesting. And um, you know, speaking of interesting, I mean, the stock market, you know, moves on. Um, and you know, we're this pandemic uh, the 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 bear market moves on continues unfortunately um having said that um you know it's reacted pretty well this week to yeah. the to the fact that the fed is is probably going to raise three quarters of percent next week yeah um so there's a lot going on there and um i have to think that when we get some positive inflation numbers that are not as bad the market's going to react positively to that. It'll be interesting to see the the next uh, inflation numbers coming out, especially with gas coming down. I know it's been dropping right. the last month or so. It'll right. be interesting to see what that what that is. It will. Housing has slowed down. I think there's some positive signs that um, that we may be turning the corner with inflation, and that's yeah, that's going to be a key. Uh, and earnings came out stronger than mm-hmm. expected this week as well. That that kind of boosted the market. So. So there's a lot going on, and I mean, speaking of a lot going on, um, we have a lot to talk about today. Um, you know, we're going to start off talking about um, stress testing your retirement plan. Um, I think this is something that's really important that we've never talked about before because, you know, the Federal Reserve kind of stress tests your, they stress test your, uh, the banks, mm-hmm. right? And um and so uh, you need to do the same thing with your retirement plan because, you know, there are times when, when things, the economy doesn't do as well, the stock market doesn't do as well as it is today. And you, there's some things you can do to stress test your retirement plan to make sure it's going to survive and it's going to do well. You're going to have a great retirement regardless of the economic circumstances leading into that. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I think that's a great topic. Yeah, and then I hope no one hates me for this, but we're going to talk about taxes. You know, 2023 tax refund, you know, it could be smaller. And we're going to give kind of four reasons why, because some of these COVID benefits are not going to be here uh, when you file next year. So just want to let people kind of do a mid-year yeah. review on the taxes. Yeah, I think mid-year is a great time to do a checkup on that and make yeah. sure that you're not uh, not going to have a surprise next year. So. Yeah. Good topic. By the way, I'm Steve Marvin. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 27 years experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Ryan Borders. I'm also a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. And we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday. Um, you can check out our shows on the website, um, moneymd.net. Um, we're up on iTunes every Friday. You can listen to us anywhere in the world. And, you know, Ryan, we got all our old shows on the website. There's a ton of information out there for all these old shows. We've been doing this over 10 years, and they're listed by topic. Um, So so check it out. You know, you can listen to some old shows, and you can listen. You can find out a 
a ton of information about Social Security, Medicare, long-term care, you know, retirement planning, all the different issues that we talk about every week out here. And, uh, and there's some great tools on our website yeah. as well. So do check that out. Um, and you can send us your questions. You can link to us there. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we'll try to answer those right here on the show. We're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, so this is about cryptocurrency scams. So you got to be careful. So 46,000 Americans reported being scammed out of an estimated $1 billion from cryptocurrency cons over the period from January 2021 to March of 2022. This is from the Federal Trade Commission. So um, yeah. there, you know, I've seen a lot of news reports about people, I mean, getting scammed or, you know, the accounts hacked. It's It's been a problem. Yeah, and there seems to be a lot of that going on in the crypto world. You know, when you think about the numbers, of a billion dollars in just one quarter, um, and it's a trillion-dollar market, the cryptocurrency market is about a trillion dollars. And so that's 0.1% lost in just three months. So, you know, that's a really high level of fraud and a super high level compared to, say, the stock market, for instance, um, where it's minuscule compared to that compared to the fact that the stock market's like a $48 trillion market. So, yeah. um, you know, the numbers are kind of mind-boggling when you dig into that. So you want to be very careful. Um, there's a lot going on there, um, a lot of risk there in the crypto market. So just in general, you know, fraud is very prevalent everywhere. And yeah. so you just got to be careful today with with um, the internet and emails and all these phishing emails that you get. And uh just be careful. Good fact of the week. And that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is stress testing your retirement plan. Um, this is based on an article from Barron's very recently, Elizabeth O'Brien. Um, but Ryan, you know, the Federal Reserve, they do this annual stress test um, every month, every year. Um, and they revealed it last month that banks had enough capital to continue their operations through a possible recession. So that's good news. Yeah. Um, but so now it's also time for you to it'd be a great time for you to stress test your um, your own retirement plan um, and use their own the central bank's playbook for checking out your finances to make sure that you can survive, you know, a a downturn in your retirement plan and, and or some assumptions that maybe you didn't count on. Um, so people on the cusp of retirement, you know, they may be rethinking their plans in light of the skyrocketing inflation and declining retirement balances, you know, and so while stocks recovered some of their ground this week, I mean, the S&P 500 is still down about 20% for the year. And, you know, many analysts are, are thinking, you know, that's not over it may go on for a while. So, and while, you know, people are contemplating that retirement, um, you know, they may choose to stay a little bit longer in their jobs, uh, given the current uncertainty. Yeah, the risk of layoffs is also rising with the prospect of a softening economy. So you need to think about these things. Yeah. So during the early months of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, the unemployment rate of workers 55 and older rose higher than for younger workers, increasing by 12.2 percent uh, points for women and 8.7 percent percentage points for men, according to the research from the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. Uh, that's what happens in recessions, um, but that isn't a cause for panic. Um, it's a call to be prepared, you know, and, and to stress test your retirement and plans um, and a great way to prepare where you are in terms of a solid future in retirement. So you really want to just be prepared for it, not panic. Um, here are ways that pre-retirees can stress test their finances. 
That's right. Yeah, the first one really is just the stress test your retirement plan itself. Um, you know, so the first step though to stress testing your retirement is to have a retirement plan. Um, in order to test anything, you have to have kind of a model, you know, or a mock-up that you can test, right? And you know, for retirement, that means having a plan which incorporates all your income sources, your income needs, and it shows how your investments react over time to different rates of return, to negative years and, and inflation. So once you have a plan in place um, that paints a good snapshot of where you are, then you need to test that model using some stress factors. So what are some of the stress factors you should use? Um, well, here are some things you can test in your retirement plan. Um, for instance, uh, a, a low rate of return would be one of them. Um, High inflation would be another. Uh, a higher income need than you really think is necessary might be another thing you would stress test in your plan. And you can also run it using today's values as a starting place, even though you know you know you're likely down at this point relative to the start of the year, and you know the market will likely recover um, and get you back up there. Um, but if you use today's values, that's a good way of kind of stress testing the current level of assets that you have. Um, you might also run a scenario where you can only contribute half of what you're currently contributing to see how it reacts if your income drops and your contributions had to drop. Um, you could also test it uh, for you retiring a few years early, earlier than you planned to. Um, you know, all these variables have a significant effect on the health of your retirement plan, but by stress testing your plan, it will show you kind of the limits of the plan while, you, while giving you a comfort level with how robust your plan really is. So these scenarios, they're going to produce a true stress test for retirement. So if your plan still works with something like 4% inflation and you know 5% rate of return and an extra 20% of your income um, <clears throat> that you need you know more than you anticipated, then you're probably in great shape for retirement. So this is a great exercise to go through to really give you that comfort level that you need. Absolutely. And, and the next is to test drive retirement. Another way to stress test your plan is test drive the retirement with your retirement income and budget. Determine how much income you really have uh, once you retire and then try living off that income in real life for three to six months or even a year. You know, Cut your expenses as necessary until you get down to that retirement level of income and save your remaining income in your retirement plan. Uh, it could be hard to cut your expenses down to retirement level of income, but this will give you a real feel of how it will be when you do retire. You know, create a budget and trim the expenses until you get down to the actual level of spending in retirement. Not only will you see if this budget is possible for you, uh, but you will also see how it feels to be in retirement with those reduced expenses, um, you know, and tightening your lifestyle. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so that's a good first step. Another way to kind of stress test your retirement itself is to take maybe an extra month off from work. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you've accumulated some vacation and you can take an entire month, um, maybe you take that all at one time and you stay home to see if you really uh, do have enough to do to really enjoy life without your work life. Um, you know, this will potentially give you and your spouse a chance to kind of stress test the home life with much more time together. <laughs> you, <Yeah>. know? <laughs> you know, some people that doesn't work yeah. out so well. So you really want to want to test that theory, you know, and unless you 
have spent weeks together recently, nonstop. I mean, then it's difficult to kind of imagine what life's going to be like, you know, eating every meal together and spending an extra 40 hours a week sharing the same living space. Um, you might find that, you know, part-time work might be a better first step into retirement instead of going cold turkey, you know, into your golden years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this kind of stress testing can, can be just as important as doing a financial stress test on your plan. So both of those moves I think are keys, testing your budget and testing kind of the time at home. And a lot of people got to do that during COVID. I mean, cause True. Uh, you know, everybody was home and that, you did see a lot of people retire after that cause they got used to being home. Um, yeah. So that was, and so, they liked it. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a good test. Exactly. You know, another thing you can do is you can um, boost your savings. Um, so what do you do if your stress test reveals that there are some cracks in your plan? You go through that, you test those, that plan, and, you know, it doesn't work out as well as you thought it might. Um, well, the first step might be to boost your savings up to the level necessary to get your plan passing the stress test. Um, it can be hard to increase your savings when the price of everything from gas to groceries is skyrocketing. I mean, just over a third of Americans have less in their emergency funds now hmm. um, in their savings than they did a year ago, according to a recent survey from bankrate.com. I mean, yet financial planners and other experts recommend that you keep a cushion of three to six months worth of essential living expenses in a safe emergency fund. So, you know, it's, it's really, really important that you um, that you boost up your savings. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to need to dig deep into your budget and cut your expenses to a level to allow you to start building cash and keep you out of debt for good. Uh, look for things in your spending which you might not miss if you drop them or could save uh, significant money. Um, things like groceries are a huge expense, especially with inflation lately. They've gotten a lot more expensive in most budgets. And, you know, they can easily get out of hand, um, particularly with, yeah, with inflation running hot, like I just said. So, you know, they've, uh, this group has studied uh, this before and found that uh, discounted grocery stores like Aldi's and Walmart can be 30% cheaper than the most popular ones like Fresh Market. Um, that could save a family over $400 per month on groceries alone. So um, don't get be complacent. And I know even in my own life, we, we struggle with that. You know, sometimes we, we have to kind of do a little bit of an audit of our groceries because, man, they, right. they really do get out of hand yeah. uh, just for some convenience a lot of times. Well, and groceries have gone up tremendously compared to a year or two ago. Um, so it's a big item for most people's budgets. So there's a lot that can be saved there if you save at the, if you shop at the cheaper stores. So yeah. you just can't be complacent. You know, everybody likes their you know, the, the coffee shop and fresh market yeah. places like that. But the music's you know, nice. The music's nice, <laughs> but you know, is it really worth, you know, exactly. $400 a month more? So you just got to look for areas like that. You know, it's also time to make sure your cash is well deployed and making money for you. I mean, I know just six months ago, you can only make pennies on your savings, your cash savings, no matter where you parked it. But that's changed a lot, you know, and it's only going to get better. So now that you know, the Fed's raised interest rates several times. Um, you can easily get north of about 1.4% in a high-yield savings account or a money market account. And it's going up rapidly as the Fed continues to, to raise interest rates as they're getting ready to do next week again, I believe. Um, so make sure you're taking advantage of that in your excess cash and your emergency fund as another way to gain some cash flow. Um, and then stay the course. You know, after stress testing your retirement, 
If you find that you're coming up short, don't panic. I mean, maintain some flexibility with the option to work another year um, or two or pick up part-time work if necessary in retirement. Um, You know, the chances are good that markets will improve substantially over the next year or two, and you might find yourself back on track just as a course of time Mm -hmm. as markets recover. You know, one danger for investors during down markets, though, nearing retirement is to overreact and Mm. to start thinking that they need to preserve the rest of what they have because they are down and they're heading into retirement. So it might be tempting to pull your money out of the stocks and and put it in a safe vehicle to wait out a possible recession. But, you know, there's never an all clear signal to get back in the market. I mean, once you finally feel comfortable enough to venture back in, you're going to likely have missed much of the rebound and will recoup your losses much slower than someone who just simply stayed invested. So that kind of move will lock in your shortfalls for retirement when you might have recovered it otherwise. So avoid that temptation. Yeah. And over a 20 year period, you know, missing the 10 best days in the market results in annualized returns that are roughly half of what you would have gotten had, had you stayed in the course. So according to the researches from JP Morgan, asset management, um, it's a pretty big, big difference there. And so those best days tend to cluster within two weeks of the worst days. So a move that seems safe at the time is actually pretty risky since it increases the chance of your portfolio won't last as long as you need it, uh, need it to or will increase the chance uh, you come up short. So just timing the market is just very, very difficult, almost impossible and very risky. Very risky. That's right. So the bottom line is, I mean, stress testing your retirement plan will give you a great look at where you are and any dangers of coming up short. So if you have questions about where you stand, I mean, take some time um, to to measures and, and stress test your retirement. And that will help you gain some confidence that you are still on track or at least give you a good glimpse of exactly where you are and how you might be able to make some corrections. Yeah, and give peace of mind during just times like these. It just kind of can give you some reassurance to to do that. Exactly. All right. That leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this is a good question, Steve, for you. Um, We had someone come in and ask, hey, should, should I invest in real estate to generate rental income? So outside of my investment, should I invest in property and, and try to make some rental income? Okay, sure. Yeah, I mean, that's a common question, too. You know, and a lot of people do um, use rental properties um, kind of as a way to help build an additional income source for retirement or, or currently. And it can be really good. Um, there's no doubt about it. If you're, if you're handy, if you don't mind, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, working a part-time job, if you will, because that's really what it is yeah. whenever you have rental properties and if you're managing yourself – um, but you can do pretty well with those if, again, you, you don't have to call somebody every time a toilet breaks, you know, or yeah. every time, you know, there, there's some problem, you know, that you have to go, you have to go check out. Um, if you have to call somebody and if you have to have somebody else manage the property, I really, in most cases that I've seen, the profits get eaten up, hmm. you know, and you don't really make much off of that. So I don't think it's worth the effort if you can't manage it. But if you're if you're local and you're gonna, you know you're gonna do it, you know right here in your area or wherever you're at, and you're you're handy, you can you can do some of the upgrades yourself, and you know you can go in between tenants and 
and you can, um, you know, clean it up yourself and get it ready for the next tenant and you can do your own advertising, do your own marketing of it. Yeah. And you can, you know, go collect the rents and, and, and deal with them yourself and not have to pay a management company, you know, 10 or 15% yeah. uh, of your rents to do that. Then I think it can be a good source of income. Okay, yeah, because it sometimes when I talk to people, it can be presented as like a, a very low risk or no risk kind of investment. Uh, you know, right? It covers the mortgage. You, it's the guaranteed income, the rise of rents, um, and so sometimes you know, there's just there's a lot of factors, just like with anything. Right. Um, you know, I talked to one client about a year ago, and and they had a rental and thought everything was good, and they paid their rents, and then they the tenant left. They didn't live locally either. Right. And they had $40,000 of damage. Oh, home. my and goodness. And it was a disaster. Okay. My goodness. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's certainly some risk there like that, you know, and, and that's one reason why I think you have to be on top of it. Yeah. You have to pretty go visit the property. You have to get in there yourself to take a look at things, you know, so you can, you can do your own fixes, I think helps because you get yeah. to put eyes on it, you know, when yep. you go back in there. Um, and, uh, you know, and it, it's not a passive investment, so you can't just, you know, think that you're going to just invest in this rental property and it's going to start pouring in money. Um, yeah. You know, it's like a part-time job, and you really have to look at it that way, I think, to do well with it. But but it, it can certainly work out. Yeah, absolutely. So, good question of the week. All right, and that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is your 2023 tax refund could be smaller, yeah. um, Ryan. You know, there's some things that have changed, and so here's our four things to look out for. Yeah, it's always fun to talk about taxes, right, Steve? Oh, <laughs> I just love it, Ryan. I'm glad you brought it back up again. Yeah, so this comes from uh, Smart Asset, and so there's just a couple of things that are going to be changing, and so you want to be on the lookout. So the IRS says that the average tax refund for returns filed in 2022 was just over $3,000. This is an increase of 7.5% uh, when compared to 2021. Uh, that average was just under $3,000. Um, but for taxpayers expecting to get the same sizable refund next year, Jackson Hewitt urges them to do a mid-year tax checkup to prepare for upcoming changes. Um, so let's take a look at what mid-year tax checkup can do for you and, and four reasons why your tax refund in 2023 could be smaller. Um, so why should you do a, a tax checkup? Um, the tax preparation company, Jackson Hewitt, um, wants you to do a mid-year tax checkup to prepare for upcoming tax changes that could make your refund smaller in 2023. So while most people don't think about their taxes until the end of the year, July is the perfect time to make a mid-year uh, tax planning appointment or at least look over your own situation, especially this year when many taxpayers are at a risk of experiencing some refund shock. Um, you know, So really, the mid-year tax checkup could help taxpayers with family and employment changes, make necessary adjustments uh, now to meet their tax refund expectations. So, you know, if taxpayers are seeing uh, they might have a smaller refund than expected or even balance due, there's still time to take some action, right? We got another six months for the year, and, and that could mean anything from increasing tax withholdings for the balance of the year to increasing contributions to qualified retirement plans and to other strategies. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, there could be changes in the number of dependents, you know, uh, employment or self-employment income. There could be divorce, among other factors. Those will all affect your tax filing status and your refund this for this year in 2023. And additionally, I mean, you should also prepare for changes that are going to impact your credits and your deductions and your payments. So check with your check your withholding mid-year. Make sure that you're on track and that nothing significant has changed 
for your situation um, that's going to affect your taxes uh, with with um, withholdings and dependents and those kinds of things. Um, you know, there are four tax changes, though, that could make a smaller refund as well. Um, according to Hewitt, Jackson Hewitt, um, there are four changes that in some cases will mean getting hundreds of dollars less in payments, credits, and deductions for your 2023 tax refund for, for this year's taxes. The first one, though, is no additional stimulus payments. Um, you know, tax refunds were boosted last year during COVID with three rounds of stimulus checks, also known as the economic impact payments or the recovery rebate credits. Um, you know, and that third stimulus check eligible for taxpayers uh, was up to $1,400 for individuals and $2,800 for couples. And so that applied to this past year. Um, and that made a big difference in taxes. So you're not going to get that this this year for next year's taxes, right? Um, mm-hmm. Overall, I mean, the federal government made direct payments to individuals adding up to $931 billion, almost a trillion dollars during the the pandemic. So unlike 2020 and 2021, you know, Congress has not passed any new stimulus checks uh, or anything like that for 2022. So taxpayers should not expect to get additional payments uh, that are going to help them on their tax refund come next April. Yeah. Another thing to look at is the pre-COVID tax credits. So several tax credits, including the child tax credit, the earned income credit, and the dependent care credit will revert back to pre-COVID levels. Um, so this means that taxpayers will face uh, substantial cuts when compared with previous year. Uh, for comparison, those who got a 3600 per dependent in 2021 uh, for the CTC will get 2000 for the 2022 tax year. Similarly, um, eligible taxpayers with no children who received roughly 1500 uh, in 2021 will now get 500 in 2022 and the dependent care credit will go back down to a maximum of 2100 for 2022 from 8000 in 2021 so big difference there yeah everything reverts back to the pre-covid yeah. you know numbers and including the age and the income limits that are all going to revert back so you know if you're any of that stuff that gave you a boost in 2020 and 2021 is not going to do that in 2022 so just be prepared. You know yeah. you're going to owe more money um, on your taxes if you're if you if you based your withholding everything on last year's numbers or the numbers the year before. Um, <clears throat> there's also going to be no above the line charitable deduction. I mean, during COVID, taxpayers were able to take up the $600 charitable deduction on their tax returns. However, this year that deduction reverts back, basically goes away. If you're taking the standard deduction you're not going to be able to make an above-the-line charitable contribution deduction as well. That's going to add a couple hundred bucks to your tax obligation, Yeah, you know, potentially. Yeah, and then tax reporting for third-party payments above 600 So if you use third-party payment apps like Apple Pay, PayPal, Venmo, Zelle is another one, the IRS will require in 2022 that income over $600 annually get reported on tax on all tax returns. And this means that taxpayers may have to pay taxes on that income. Uh, so bottom line, Steve, you know, you can avoid refund shock for 2023 by doing a mid-year checkup. Um, this allows you to increase your tax withholdings, raise retirement plan contributions, and make other necessary adjustments to lower potential your, your potential tax bill and get closer to your tax refund expectations. 
Um, yeah, and I just wanted to kind of ask, do you have any other suggestions just kind of as a tax ref- you know, a tax checkup for the mid-year, anything that comes to mind for you? Well, um, not particularly. I mean, you can, you know, I think you just want to pull out your tax return. You just want to look at it, go through it line by line, and just get a feel for, for things that have changed yeah. this year. I mean, we know all these rules are going to change that, that we just talked about, the revert back to the pre-COVID numbers, but there also may be income changes yeah. that are significant. You know, I mean, if you sold a property this year, um, you know, and you have capital gains, something like that, um, you need to make sure you make an estimated payment for that. Uh, and you, bottom line is you want to penalty proof yourself, right? Um, which means that for most people, if you pay in at least 90% of this year's obligation uh, for your taxes or a hundred percent of last year's obligation, uh, then you're penalty proof. You cannot be penalized for underpayment of taxes. So that means, you know, let's say for instance, you paid in, uh, you, 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 your total federal tax was $4,000 last year, for instance, as long as you make sure you withheld at least 4,000 this year, then they can't, they can't penalize you. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so, you know, hundred percent of last year's obligation, totally penalty proofs you for most people, um, or 90% of this year's obligation if you were going to owe, say, if your total tax is going to be $4,000, if you paid $3,600 in, then you'd be 90%. You'd be penalty proof. So yeah. just want to make sure you're penalty proof and you don't get trapped this year going into tax season. So great, great topic. That's good. All right. And that leads up here to our final thing. And that is the prescription of the week. Yeah. And just talking kind of mid-year uh, review, you know, you, you want to make sure you're budgeting. And so sometimes you can get into the year and realize, hey, I'm not really following a budget, um, especially during vacation time, which a lot of people are at right now uh, going through the summer. But, you know, check out mint.com. It's a great tool uh, to budget and keep track of your financial situation. So that's what Sarah and I use is mint.com. It's free. Um, but also there's Ramsey every dollar. And that's also a good budgeting tool, but overall, you just want to make sure you do have a budget and that you're following one or right. things can get out of hand. And so do a kind of a mid-year checkup on your budget. Um, if you're not following yours, um, make sure you are or readjust it. And also, if you're not budgeting at all, start one. Go to mint.com and create one. Yeah, that's a really easy way to do it. I like mint.com because, you know, you can plug in your credit cards in there and it'll go pull your transactions yeah. every month and break them up for you into different categories. Yeah. So it kind of automatically creates a budget for you. Um, so it just gives you a good way to kind of get the big picture of where your money's going. Even if it's not something you feel like you have to live by month by month, at least you get a snapshot of where your money's actually going. So you can identify if there's some area that's getting kind of outsized like you know, eating out. Classic. That's always That's the one. That's a classic one. Eating out. <laughs> right, right. For me, it's a golf, but yeah. uh, hey, or vacations or something. But everybody kind of has their thing. You know, if yeah. you dig deep into your budget, there is probably one area that is a little bit extreme for you. Everybody has it. Yeah. I, I think most people have it. So yeah. identify that area. Just make sure you're not. And that's okay as long as you budget it, right? <laughs> as long as you budget it, right. So you just got to go in it with your eyes open and, and having a budget is a key Mint.com, good place. Every dollar is another good one. That's a subscription one. But uh, either way, just just make sure you have a budget. Absolutely. Good prescription of the week. All right, and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. You can send us your questions or link to us there, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. 
This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.